Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf hey. Today's shir is Li'ilu Nishmas Yerachmiel ben Eliezer and Bryna Bastuvia Ze'ev. Um, and it is also for a Shlema of. Sorry, Mervin, what's his name again? Tzvi HaKohen Ben Shifra may have a speedy recovery um, regarding the Omer. Yes, Dennis. And also Rufu Shlema for Rachmiel Peretz Ben Sara Ben Sara. Peretz. Peretz Ben Sara may they have a complete and speedy recovery. Regarding the Omer, it's the 19th day. Hayom Tishasar Yom Shahim Shnei Shavuot Vachamisho Yamim Baomer. Okay, um, back to Alkamara Daf. Um, today's, as I mentioned, today's Daf is Daf Hey, Daf Av. We got towards the bottom of Daf Dalad Amud Beis. Um, if it's the. Six, uh, six last line. The line starts by Yadaber. The sukya we're going to go into is from Michlal. So, um, yeah. So remember, we had a mach- <coughs> we had a machlokes. Rabbi Yochanan and Rishlokes. She brought it up. What? When? Um, what's the source for this, this that the Kohen Gadol separates for before going into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur? So, I mean, he, separate, yeah, he separates for six days. So Rabbi Yochanan said the source is the Miluyim, the inauguration of Aaron Akoin. Aaron was separated for six days. Sorry, for seven days. So too, um, so too, Akoin uh, Godel, before he goes into the Holy of Holies, must also separate for seven days. Rish Lakish said, no, the source is from Bamatan Torah. Moshe was secluded in the clouds. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you are put in seclusion in the clouds for six days, and we added on that at seven days because of Rabbi Yehuda ben Basera, who's chayish, who's worried that he'll be tome from being with his wife. But it's so it's seven days. But Moshe was secluded for six days before he went into the divine presence, into the to meet Hashem on Har Sinai. So so too, um, a Kohen Gadol before going into the Holy of Holies. On Yom Kippur must also prepare himself by separation for six days. Then, Reish Lakish asked a question on Rabbi Yochanan. He said, according to Rabbi Yochanan, according to you, Rabbi Yochanan, if you hold that, the, if you learn that the Kohen Godel has to separate for seven days from the Miluyim, well then, it should be essential, because all the things taught by the Miluyim are essential and if any of them weren't done it would have been invalid and that's um so that's very difficult is that according to you rabbi yochanan it should be essential and we know it's not essential how do we know it's not essential that the coin god will, obviously it's ideal he should separate for seven days before him kippur but how do we know that if he doesn't he can it's still he can still go ahead and do that void and it's still valid because remember we said in the mishnah that you separate the coin god for seven days and you just set up a replacement coin god now if it was essential that the coin god is separated then even the replacement coin god 
should, should be separated. Otherwise, if Chasvashalom, the Kohen Godel, dies, if the replacement Kohen Godel has not been separated for seven days, well, then his avoider would be invalid. So by the fact that we don't separate the replacement Kohen Godel, we see clearly it's not essential to the avoider. So that's what we're going to go into now, this point of it being of this, this, we're going to go into this discussion about what was said by the Miluyim, is it essential, or yeah, um, that, that discussion of it being essential, and if it wasn't done, it would be invalid. It says, It follows that both of them hold, it follows that both Reish Lokish and Rabbi Yochanan hold that anything said by the Miluyim was essential. Ah, if you didn't do it, it would be invalid. Rabbi Yochanan, the Itmar, it was actually taught as a Machloikes. Miluyim, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chanina. Regarding the Miluyim, Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Chanina. Chad Omer, Kol HaKosum Bohem Ma'akei Bohem. One said, one of the opinions, Rabbi Yochanan or Rabbi Chanina said, anything that is mentioned by the Miluyim is essential. No, only things that we find in the future would invalidate the temple service, would invalidate the miluyim. But something that would not necessarily in the future avoiders be invalid, well, it would not invalidate the miluyim. And then we say, so, so we know that there's a we don't know who said what, whether these things that were generally not essential to the temple service, were they essential by the, um, were they essential by the Miluyim? And tis time to Rabbi Yochanan, who do Omar, kol bohen. It makes sense to say that it's Rabbi Yochanan who holds that whatever is written by the Miluyim is essential. If but how can you learn from the miluyim where everything is essential? Now again, remember that was this question that Rabbi Yochanan, that Reish Lokish asked Rabbi Yochanan. If you learn that the Kohen Gadol has to separate for seven days before Yom Kippur, from the Miluyim, isn't it essential? And what did Rabbi Yochanan didn't repro- re- respond and say that's not true? He seemed to agree. Rabbi Yochanan didn't respond. Rabbi didn't have any response this time. So it seems conclusive that... Um, it seems conclusive that it is Rabbi Yochanan who holds that it's essential. So again, so Rabbi Yochanan holds that anything written by the Miluyim is essential, and if it was not done, it would have been an invalid avoda. Even things that we would generally not consider essential. And Rabbi Chanina holds, no, only things that are generally invalid with the temple service would be invalid in the Miluyim. Other things would not be. The Gemara is now going to ask, my Benayu, what's the difference? Where do we find differences? I, what parts of the Miluyim would Rabbi Yochanan hold invalidate the Miluyim? Whereas Rabbi Chanina would say, no, since they're not essential to the regular avoider for all future generations, they would not invalidate the Miluyim. So we're going to have about four different examples of halachas where it would be um, a different. Just one question to think about. No, or maybe I'll just I'll just mention it very very briefly. Is there's an obvious question here? In a way, it sounds I don't want to say it like this, but who cares? My, the Gemara is going to ask it on a different point later on. But matter have a have What was was. Whether something was essential at the miluyim or whether it wasn't, and whether it invalidate would invalidate the miluyim or not. Why does it matter? 
This inauguration was done in the desert. We're not going to have to worry about it again. So why are you getting so caught up in this debate? What's the halachic? What's the practical relevance to us? So that's a fair question. And one of, one of very simply, one of, again, the, well, the question I'm asking is, this is all discussing when Aaron was being inaugurated in the Mishan in the desert. That's a very once-off event. Who, what, why does it matter what was essential or what was not essential, whether it invalidated or not? What's done is done. So the one answer given is no. We actually learn from here, going ahead, that any time that the temple would be rebuilt, or the Mishkan would have been, again, yeah, where the base, I mean, that will re- be rebuilt, um, it would have to be, um, you would have to do the inauguration. So we need to know the inaugurations. We need to know the process for the for the future. Um, sorry about that. Um, so now the Gemara asks, What are these differences? What are halakhic differences? Whether you pass it like Rabbi Yochanan for things that are essential and Rabbi Hanina, they're not only things in the future. So Omar Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, One of the differences would be smicha. Smicha, that's leaning on an animal before you offer it. So Aaron brought private korbonas. He would, should have lent on them. But if he didn't, would it invalidate the avoidance? According to Rabbi Yochanan, who says that anything that is written by the Miluim is essential, well then this would, this is essential and it would be invalid if Aaron did not do smicha. According to Rabbi Hanidu, who says anything that does not, um, that is not essential in future generations, is not essential here. Smicha lo ma'akva and smicha is not essential. You're right. When you're offering a korban, you should do smicha. You should lean on it. But if you don't do smicha, it's not invalid. My minolon, um, how do we know that smicha is not essential? That by most, in the future, if you don't do if you would not do smicha, your korban would still be valid. The tanya, as the brayser taught, v'samach, etc., v'nirta, says you'll leave on your, you will lean on your korban, you'll do smicha, dot, 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 and it will become acceptable. He says, v'chi smicha mechaperes. Is it the smicha that makes it acceptable, that atones, that causes the atonement? V'alo en kapora ela b'dam. We know that kapora comes specifically through dam. Shenemar, as the posuk says, ki adam hu benefesh yechaper. The dam in the nefesh is what offers atonement. That's, you know, the primary part of the korbanos, what is essential and what offers atonement is when you sprinkle the blood on the Mizbech. So what do you mean smicha makes it venirza? So he says, no, Ella, but ma tamud lama v'samach venirza. So what's the Torah coming to teach us when it says if you do smicha, it will be acceptable. So he says, she'im also le smicha shirei mitzvah. If you make the smicha a secondary mitzvah, I, you kind of brush it off. You say, look, smicha is not essential. It's not so important. I'm not going to care about it. It's the leftovers. Says Malor of a kosov ki iluloi kapar v'kiper v'kiper. The Torah will view it in some aspects as if you have not effected atonement. 
v'chiper, even though you do have atonement. Uh, you have atonement, you fulfilled your obligation to bring this korban. However, there's an aspect of these shiure mitzvah of the atonement that you do not affect and you do not achieve. So it's very, it's a fascinating concept. We don't have time to elaborate and go into it now. But basically what we're saying here is um, a person who, there's these parts of the mitzvah that are not necessarily essential. It's the way, it's the best way to do the mitzvah. Um, you haven't done the mitzvah, but, and, and therefore if you don't do it, it's, the, you still fulfill the obligation. However, if you treat it lightly, because it's not essential, if you're dismissive of this part of the mitzvah, well then there's an aspect of kapora, an added aspect that you achieve through doing the mitzvah in the best way, that to a degree it's as if you haven't done that at all. Okay, so that's the first difference. Now again, so according to Rabbi Hanina, only what is essential for all generations is essential by the Miluyim. So if Aaron Akohen would not have lent on his animals, it would have still been valid. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, no, since in the parish of the Miluyim it says he must lean on the animals, if he would not, it would be invalid. Let's go on to the second difference. Rabbi Nachman by Yitzchak Omar Tenufei waving parts of the Korban is the difference between this. According to the opinion that anything that is written by them is Ma'akev, um, then waving would be essential. But according to the opinion of Bichanina, who says that anything that is not essential in future generations was not essential at the Miluyim, well then, waving is not essential. How do we know that Waving is not essential to a Quran. Says the Tanya, as we learned in the Brisa, let no follow. Chaper, the Apostle says again, if you will wave it, and it will bring atonement. Says, what do you mean? It's not the atonement doesn't come through waving certain parts of the Quran. The, the, the atonement comes through the blood avoidance. He says, as the Apostle tells us, that the blood which is the nefesh is in, that's what offers atonement. There's, what's the Torah coming to teach us that when you wave it, you bring atonement. If you dismiss the waving as a leftovers of the mitzvah, you don't treat it with respect and don't do it properly. The Torah views it as if you do not get atonement, even though you do get atonement. So again, there's this dimension that you do get atonement and an aspect that you don't get atonement. Rav Papa Omar, Rav Papa says, Rav Papa says, the difference between them is whether you have to do Prisha... And the difference between them is whether you have to separate for seven days before the inauguration. According to the opinion that you have to, whatever is written is essential, well then, the seven days of separation is essential. This is the question that Reish Lokish asked Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan, if you're learning that the Kohen Godel has to separate for Yom Kippur before for seven days before, and you learn that from the Miluyim, well then, just as you, Rabbi Yochanan, hold the Miluyim, the seven days separation before the Miluyim was essential, either avoider would be invalid if he didn't do it, well then you'd have to say the same thing by Yom Kippur. 
um, that if he doesn't do it, it's essential, which we know it's not. So therefore, Ashlokish says to Rabbi Yochanan, your way of learning doesn't make sense. But either way, this is that point, that does he have to say, is it essential? So he says, according to Rabbi Yochanan, according to the opinion that it's not essential in all future generations, it's not essential. It would not be. I don't know in all future generations that it is not essential. It says, from our Mishnah, because our Mishnah says, what do you do with the replacement Kohen Godel? Says Mataklin, you just uh, set him up, you just appoint him. And it doesn't teach that you separate him. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the year, if it was essential to the Yom Kippur Avoider that the coin got all separated for seven days before, I meaning that if he did not separate for seven days before, the Avoider would be invalid, well, then you would also have to make sure that the replacement coin got all, the substitute coin got all, also separates for seven days before. Because if you're not going to do that, then chas v'shalom, something happens to the Kohen Godel, he becomes Tomei, he, um, he's Niftar, chas v'shalom. Then you're going to have this replacement Kohen Godel, but he's not going to have separated for seven days, so his avoider would be invalid. So we see very, so you must say that, it's not, so we see clearly from our Mishnah that it is not essential. Okay, Ravino Omar Ravino says, Ribu Shiva Umashiva Shiva Ikabanehu. Another difference is putting on the many garments for seven days and being anointed for seven days is the difference between these two opinions. What are we referring to? So there are two ways. I don't know, I'm not clear. I think it's it's two parts, but where necessary it's it's two two ways. But there are two ways that a coin goddle is inaugurated. The one is Ribui Bagodim. He puts on, remember, the regular Kohen has only four ga- uh, garments that he wears to serve in, and the Kohen Godel has eight. So part of the process of inaugurating the Kohen Godel was putting on these eight garments, putting on the extra garments, and that anoints him. Rashi seems to say it specifically when he serves, but that's not so clear. But that anoints him, dedicates him as the Kohen Godel. Another part to the Avoider is, to the anoint, inauguration of a Kohen Godel, is anointing oil. Remember, we actually saw this towards the end of Shkolim, that Moshe made that special, uh, special anointing oil, and one of its primary purposes was to anoint future Kohanim Gatolim. So this anointment oil. So those are the two ways. Now, for the Miluyim, Aaron did them for seven days. He, was an, he put on these extra garments, all eight garments for, eight day, for seven days, and he was anointed for seven days. So what about a regular Kohen? So, he says, so that's what we're referring to now. Ribui, Shiva, Umashiva, Shiva. Putting on the many garments for seven days. And anointing for seven days. Ikabnev is the difference. He says, According to the opinion that anything written by the Miluyim is essential, then if Aaron would not have been anointed for seven days and put on the many garments for seven days prior to doing the Avoida, it would be invalid. In the future, it's not essential for a Kohen Godel to be inaugurated for seven days. Well, then so to yeah. Where do you know that it's not essential? Maybe a Kohen Godel does have to be inaugurated for um, put on these extra garments or be anointed with oil for seven days in a row. The Tanya, as we learned in the Rise of the 
and the Kohen will bring atone, and he will bring atonement. The Kohen which you anointed him, and which you Yamales Yodov means inaugurated him with the garment to serve in place of his father. Now my time would loimar. What's the Torah coming to say? As we already know that the Yom Kippurim service must be done by a Kohen Godel, why is it emphasizing this Kohen Godel who's been anointed? So it says, Since the, elsewhere the Apostle says that for seven days he must wear his new garments in place of his father, the son who's, in, who's replacing him, and the Elenis Rabbe Shiva Venimshach Shiva. I learned from here that he has to, do, from, from the Miluim, I learned that he has to have put on these extra clothes for seven days and been anointed for seven days. What happens if he only put on the garments for seven days and was anointed only for one day? Or he put on these many garments for one day and he was anointed for seven days. And many of the manuscripts add in one more phrase. How do we know that he's even a valid Kohen Godel if he only put on the clothes for a short time or anointed and anointed for, the, for a short time once off? Again, it sounds that he should be doing it for seven days. How do we know it's his anointing? The Kohen Godel's anointing is valid if he only puts on the clothes one day. And if he only um, gets anointed on one day. So he says, Who will anoint him and who will inaugurate him. The extra apostle tells us in all cases, i.e. even if he only gets anointed once, or puts on the many clothes once, he's now valid to serve as a coin goddle. Okay, so the previous price it took for granted that ideally the Kohen should be anointed for seven days. I, again, that's what the price it took for granted. It took for granted that a coin goddle being anointed to become the coin goddle, again, he's a regular coin, and then at some point uh, his father or the coin goddle dies and he'll replace him. So, how do we know that? Um, Ideally, so we took for granted that he should do it for seven days, both the putting on the new clothes and the anointing with oil. The, sorry, the extra eight clothes, or the extra four over the eight clothes, um, and that he should be anointed for seven days, but if he didn't, it's valid. So he says, We have a good source that you should put on the garments for seven days before. As the Pasuk said, Shivas Yomim. Where was it? Shivas Yomim Yilboshem. For seven days he shall wear them. So we see ideally the coin should be coin goddle being inaugurated for seven days before his avoider should put his um, clothes, his eight clothes on. Meshicha Shiva Lechatchila Minolon. Where do we say, where do we see that he needs to put on this inaugurating oil for seven days? Well, one possibility is the apostle comes to exclude it. Uh, we just learned that the apostle comes to specifically comes to teach us that he doesn't have to do this anointing with the oil for seven days. But the fact that the Torah tells us that he doesn't have to do the anointing oil for seven days, it's not essential. You would, it seems that ideally, you should do it for seven days. That's the one answer. The invoice, aim alternative, you can say, to Omar the Pasuk of The big day, Kodesh, which will be to Aaron and his sons. Sorry, will be to Aaron, you 
The big Kodesh which will that Aaron has will be to his sons after him to be anointed in them and to wear them. Iskish Meshicha Liribui, we see that the anointing and the ribui, Malay Bom Es Yodom refers to putting on the clothes. Um, and the ribui, the putting on many clothes, are connected together. Ma ribui shiva, at meshicha shiva. So just as ribui is for seven days, so too meshicha is for seven days. Okay, this last proof we got a bit tangled up in it, so let's just make it clear. Remember, we started off this piece by asking if whether or not you hold, what's the difference whether or not you hold? It's essential. Where do we find differences in our voida? Things said by the miluim are essential, or is it only things that were essential forever? So one case is, does the Kohen Godel have to be anointed, inaugurated as the Kohen Godel? Does he have to wear his clothes for seven days and get anointed for seven days? So ideally he should, but in future generations, if, even if he's only anointed or wear his clothes for one day, it's still valid. Um... And that's what we just went into now. Um, so therefore, according to Rabbi Hanina, since it's not essential in future generations, if Aaron also didn't have it, it would not. It would. It was not essential. However, Rabbi Yochanan says no. Since it's written by the Miluim, it's essential by the Miluim, even though in future generations it is not essential. Now the Gemara is going to take it a step further. This is my time at demand. What's the source? For Rabbi Yochanan, who holds that, whatever is written by the Miluim is essential. Aye, and if he didn't do it, the Miluim would be invalid. And again, this is his opinion. Even things that generally would not be essential by the Avoider, here we're saying it is. So, Omar Rabbi Yitzhak Babisna, Omar Pro Rabbi Yitzhak Babisna says it's from the following Pasuk. You shall do this to Aaron and his sons. Kacha ikuvahu. The word kacha, I so you shall do, implies that it is essential. I so again, so it's all from this word kacha. Now, what we're going to, what the Gemara is going to analyze, and this is going to, um, this concept will spread over the next Amud. But basically, in Parshas Tetzaveh, that's in Sefer Shmos, Parshas Tetzaveh, Hashem commands Moshe about the Miluyim. So that's the Tzivah. Where the milu, where he's commanded to do the miluyim, in Parshas Tzav, in Sefer Vayikra, it speaks that they did the miluyim, the asiyah. Which makes sense. So there's the command, and then there's when they did it. So that's in Tzav is the command, and in Tzav, it is the that where they actually carried out where they did the miluyim. Now the word kacha, this word so which we said it tells us that it's essential, is only written in Parshas Tetzaveh Shmos. It's not mentioned in, in Parshas Tzav. Wait, I'm not sure if I got it the right way around. Um, yeah. Um, it's not mentioned in Tzav. So now... Would things not mentioned in Tzav, so the things that were only mentioned in Tzav and not in Tzavir, be essential? 
That's the question that the Mora is going to focus on now. So again, we've got two places. We've got where the Hashem commands Moshe to do the Miluyim, and we've got where it speaks about them doing the Miluyim. Where Hashem commands it, it says Kacha, so we know everything there is essential. What about things that were only said in Tzav? Are they essential? And I've got two examples. One example is the Urim Vatumim. The Urim Vatumim was a special scroll, a parchment with Hashem's special name written that was put in the breastplate, folded in. It only speaks about putting the Urim and Tumim in Tzav. So if, and in Tzav it doesn't say Kocho. So if he did not put the Urim Vatumim in the breastplate, would it have been invalidating the Avoid or not? Because it doesn't, in the parsha of doing the Miluyim, it doesn't speak about, it doesn't say Kacha, it's essential. Um, another example is the mitzvah to separate. This mitzvah that we've been discussing, that Aaron had to se- separate for seven days, is only mentioned when doing the miluyim. So maybe it's not essential from that aspect. So that's what the Gemara asks. It says, It makes sense. Everything written in Tetzave, which is by Kocha, the word so, which tells us it's essential. What about the things that are not written in this matter? And that they're only written to by the action. No, Rav Nachman Yitzchak says we learn it as Xerah in, Shav in, in, in Tetzaveh, where it's they commanded to do it. It says El Pesach or El Moed. And in Vayikra, by the Asiya, where they actually carried out the Miluyim, Tekarev, Tekarev Pesach or El Moed. Etc. They will come to the sorry. As, as, it says a few times a Pesach or Moed. So we learn that the rules that apply by one apply by the other. So yes, everything, even if it's not in mention only in the other paragraph, it is essential. Now we're going to Ramasharshia Omar Bishmartemes Mishmeres Hashem. The pasuk in Parshat Tzav says you will guard the guarding of Hashem. That implies Ikuva. It's essential. Are you right? We don't have Kocha written in Tzav. But we have this other phrase, Vishmartem is Mishmerish Hashem, which implies it's essential. Ravashi gives a difference also. Omar Kikensi I as I have been commanded, Ikuva, that also implies that it is essential. Okay, so that's the, that's a sort, you're, it doesn't matter where, in which parsha, whether it's the command to do the Miluyim, or the parsha which describes them doing the Miluyim, the actual action of the carrying out the Miluyim. Both of them are essential. Now the Gemara is just going to take a little detour to discuss a point, um, well, based on this pasuk we just mentioned, regarding the Miluyim. Three times in the Parsha where they carried out the Miluyim, Moshe says, we're going to read it inside now, but it just said alpha. Three times Moshe says, as I was commanded by Hashem. As I was commanded. Now the Gemara is bothered. Why do you need to tell me? We know that everything Moshe told Ben Israel to do as Hashem commanded. We don't find him emphasizing keep Shabbos as Hashem commanded, um, put, put on fill as Hashem commanded, etc. We don't find him saying as, as Hashem commanded every time he's saying. So why in this in the in the Miluim does he say as I com- as I, as I was commanded as I was commanded? So let's see that inside. Toner abonet kikainsi veisi. It says these three times, as I was commanded, etc. 
So he says, Ki kainsi vaisi ba'aninosyochlo. The first one, as I was commanded, is to tell them to eat it, even though they are oinains. Basically, remember, this is the tragic story we read. I can't think of this. This past Shabbos. Um, in Pasha Shmini, on the eighth day of the inauguration, Aaron's two sons died. So Aaron and his sons, the remaining sons, were oinain. And oinain is generally not allowed to eat from sacrificial meat. However, Moshe gave Aaron a special command that he must eat from the meat. Yeah, the Seir Chatas generally would not, so therefore Moshe has to emphasize, even though generally as an Oinain you do not eat from this Korban, in this case you must eat it, and I have been commanded. And then Kashetzi Vaisi, Bishas Mase Omer Lohem. As I commanded, that was at the time of their action. What's that referring to? He found out... Yeah, I'll come back to that. But basically there was another sacrifice that they didn't eat. And Moshe told them, but I was commanded that you should eat it. And then the third one, Kasher Tzivo Hashem. What does it mean? As Hashem commanded. This point I'm not saying from myself. Basically what happened... So remember, Aaron became an Oinain. He wasn't, strictly speaking, an Oinain shouldn't eat any of the Korbanos. Moshe came along and said, You must eat the Seir Chattas, etc. Hashem has commanded me to tell you that you must eat it. There was another, the Chattas of Rosh Chodesh. Aaron didn't eat. They burnt it instead. Now Moshe went up to Aaron and said, Wait, Aaron, didn't I tell you that you have to eat the Korbanos today, even though you're an Oinain, as Hashem commanded me? And what did Aaron say? Aaron explained from logic that no, it's only the special Korbanos to do with the Miluyim that I'm supposed to eat, but not the ones that, not the other ones, which is very interesting. So Moshe came to Aaron and said, as Hashem commanded, you were supposed to eat it. And Aaron showed Moshe that actually from logic you wasn't supposed to eat it. And Moshe conceded that Aaron was right. And then Moshe wanted to eat from the next korban. Um, that, um, that, that they were supposed to eat the... Sorry, which one was that? Um, that they were supposed to eat the shlomim, I think. Um, it just slipped my mind which one they were supposed to eat. But um, he's saying that even though the last thing I made a mistake, you must eat it without, uh, you must still eat this part of the korban as Hashem commanded. So, very interesting. So, the first one is Moshe needs to emphasize that it's going against the usual halachas. That's why I have to tell you, Hashem command me to tell you to eat it. The second one was Moshe actually making a mistake, thinking that Hashem had commanded him to tell Aaron to eat it, which he realized that he had misunderstood it. Moshe made a mistake. And then the third one is Moshe saying, okay, but in this next thing I'm telling you to eat it, don't worry, I'm not making a mistake. It's not from me. It's from Hashem. Okay, let's carry on now. Omar Rabbi Yossi, carrying on with discussing the Miluyim, the inauguration. It says, Omar Rabbi Yossi, Barchanin, Mikhnasayim, Ayin, Parsha. We don't find that it mentions that the Mikhnasayim, the pants that the Kohanim wore for the Avoida, it doesn't mention them. So what, what happened to them regarding the Miluyim? 
So he says, Kashihu Aimer Vizehadovara Shed Taselahem Lakadesh or Sam Lakahim. When it says and we'll come back to this and this is the thing which you shall do to sanctify him as a Kohen, that's to include that he must wear the pants and do the Asirisaim. It makes sense to include the pants because that's it's we've just finished discussing the Begodim. Uh, we discussed the all the different clothes that the Kohen wears, and then we connect it and we say, and this is what you shall do for the Miluyim. So it makes sense. Oh, so this Begodim that we've just discussed must also be present at the Miluyim. So we understand why you include the Michnasayim. Elo Asiris Aifa Minolon. Where do we know about the Asiris Aifa? How do we see that this Posuk is coming to include and say that the Koh, that Aaron must offer every Kohen who started his service in the temple when he was inaugurated to the temple service would bring the special Mincha? So where do we know that Aaron had to bring that? How do we see that from this Pasuk? So he says, This is the Korban of, that's Xerah Shavah Zezeh, as the Pasuk says, this is the Korban which Aaron and his sons will offer to Hashem, a tenth of an Eifah. So it's Xerah Shavah. Even though the Miluim doesn't say anything about Asirisa Eifah, it's exactly the that they had to do it. Om Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Rabbi Yochanan said, Naim Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, Minayin Sh'af Mikra Parsha Ma'akev. How do we know that even reading this Parsha of the Miluyim is essential? I, on the seven days when Aaron was separated, Moshe had to read to him how to do the Miluyim. And we're learning here that that is an essential part of the of those seven days was reading this Parsha. So how do we know that? Talmud Lomar, Vayoyim Moshe this is the thing, this is the speech which Hashem commanded. I, Hashem commanded me to do the speech, I, to read this paragraph in Chumash to you. What was the order that Moshe dressed them? On each of the seven days in the build-up, when Aaron was separated, part of the procedure was Moshe dressed Aaron and his sons in the big day kahuna. So how did he wear them? It says, So the Gemara asks, how did Moshe dress them? So what difference does it make? It's all in the past. What was, was. I mean, it's what happened in the Miluyim a few a few thousand years ago doesn't affect Anything? Why do you need a note? So he says, no. How will he dress them in the future? I, when we inaugurate the third temple, how's Moshe? How are we going to dress the Kohanim, the Kohanim and the Kohanim Gedolim? So he says, no. Atid lovo. Nami lekeshe yovo. Aaron uvanovu Moshe. Imohem. I well. So what? In the future, you're going to have the same question: How to dress them? Well, you'll have Aaron and his sons and Moshe, and Moshe knew at the time of the thing how to dress them. So in the future, we don't, also don't need to know. Again, why are you getting caught up in this discussion when you're waiting for the future how to dress Aaron and his sons? Moshe will tell us how to do it, just as he knew how to do it the first time. Moshe will know how to do it the second time. He says, "No, Ella Kaitzad he'll be cry." He says, no, we want to know how to wear them to understand, to explain the psukim. I found this a phenomenal concept. What's the question? The question, you're right, practically it makes no difference to us. We actually don't need to know how Moshe dressed Aaron and his sons, the exact order, etc. Why? Because what was, was, 
Oh, what about in the future with the third temple? Moshe will be there. Moshe will tell us how to do it. Um, but, he says, no, we want to understand the Tsukim. I We don't always learn because it's practical. We don't always learn because we need to know the information, how to act. Sometimes we learn just to understand the Psukim, just to understand the Chumash, just to understand the Torah as best as possible. So I thought that was quite an amazing concept. Again, we see this um, often Yeshiva Bochrim and Yeshivas are criticized is they get so caught up in the analyzing of the Sugya, they don't focus enough on the coming out with the practical the practical outcome. And they can spend a week on a on a on a sugya, on a piece of Gomorrah, and you ask them, okay, so how do we practice nowadays? And they say, well, I, I know Toysis on it, I know the Rashba on it, I understand uh, the Rabbi Kiva Iga's question, but I actually don't know how we practice. So again, we see there is a, clearly a dimension of learning just to understand it as best as you can without it even having practical relevance. Okay, let's carry on. So we want to know how were the psukim, how was, how were Aaron and his sons dressed? Now, just before we go into the answer of how they were dressed, Rashi explains based on the psukim in Tetzaveh, we would say that Moshe dressed Aaron, then he dressed his sons, then he put the belt on Aaron, and then he put the belt on his sons. One of the garments was his sons, and then in Tzav, it sounds like he first dressed Aaron fully. I put his clothes and his belt on. And then he dressed his sons, Aaron's sons, and put their belt on. So the question is more, did, they, did he put the belt on together, I straight after the other? Or did he completely dress Aaron with the belt? Or did he, and then the sons put their clothes on, and only afterwards the sons belt on. So it's, One said, first Aaron and then his sons. One said, he put the belt on Aaron and his sons on one time. I, that he dressed Aaron, dressed his sons, then put on Aaron's belt, then put on his sons' belts. Says Omar Abaya Bixonus who mitznefes kuliyamaloi pligi to Aaron vaachakar bonav. Abaya said that everyone agrees that regarding the shirt, the tunic, and the hat, he first um, put it on Aaron and then his sons. The bain betzavo bain baasius Aaron kodim. Whether you learn in Tzavel in the when he was commanded to do the miluim, or whether you learn in Tzav where they actually did the miluim. That Aaron came first. Keep pligi ba'avnei. They specifically arguing with the belt. Man to Omar Aaron ba'achakach bonov. Tirsi vayakor oiso ba'avnei. The one who says first Aaron was dressed with his belt, and only afterwards his sons were dressed, is because the pasuk says, and he girded them with the belt. Vaharaksiv vayakor oiso ba'avnei. And then it says regarding his sons, and he girded them with their belt. Uman to Omar Aaron uvanu bavas achas. And the one who says that he did it at the same, because in Tzav it says, You will put the belts on them. I sounding that you put the belts on at the same time. So the Gemara asks, "Lamanda Omer Aaron Uvanu bevasachas ksiv vayakoroi sov abnei vaharek ksiv vayakoroi sov abnei." Oh, but wait! According to the the opinion who says that he put the belts on Aaron and his sons at one time, what do you do with the pasuk where it says he put on he dressed Aaron and put on his belt, and then it says he dressed his sons and put on the belt? That sounds like not at the same time. So Omer lecho hahu abnei shel kohen gadol loy zehu abnei shel. No, what that's coming to teach us is that the belt that the Kohen Godel wears is not the same belt that the sons of Aaron wore. Very interestingly, in Tetzaveh it describes the, in Tzav, 
sorry. In Tetzave, it describes all the clothes that the Kohen, the Kohen got a war. The, the Kohanim war. And it describes a belt, and it tells how to make the, the special belt with uh, blue wool and purple wool and linen. It was actually shatness. Um, but what about the regular Kohen's belt that doesn't describe it to us? So that's what this Pasuk's telling us. You're right. He put the belts on Aaron and his sons together. And when it best singles them out in the other Parsha, that's to tell us that they were two different belts. But he did put the belts on together. Oh, and according to the opinion, he says that he first dressed Aaron completely with his belt. And then he dressed the sons completely with their belt. What does he do with the Pasuk that says, and he put their belts on them, I'm implying at one time, says, It's coming to teach us that the Aaron, the, the belt of the Kohen Godel, was the same belt that the other Kohanim wore. And he girded them in a belt. So why do I need the double Language, that's to tell us Aaron alone. Uh, why does it single out that Moshe put the belt on Aaron and then it singles out that he put the belt on his sons? We see that Aaron was dressed completely and after he, and after only afterwards his sons. So again, just to make clear the Machloikes, um, and then we'll leave off with this point. He told Aaron, um, what did he tell? Oh, he, according to the one opinion, he dressed Aaron fully with his belt and he dressed the sons fully with their belt. So we see that the belts have the interruption of dressing the sons in between. Now, oh, so, so that's how he says to it. Oh, what's the reason that the Pasuk seems to combine and say that Moshe put the belts on them together? No, that's just to tell us that it's the same type of belt. And the other opinion learns no. He says the key point is that they were fully dressed except their belts. And then he put their belts on together. I know interruption between putting the belt on Aaron and then putting the belt on his sons. Oh, so then why does the Torah imply that he put on the belts at a separate time to Aaron and his sons? No, that's to tell us that they were two different types of belt. There was the Kohen Godel's belt, which was different to a regular Kohen's belt. And we'll leave it there. And again, why are we learning this? Not because it's practical. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It happened a few thousand years ago. And in the future when we need to know in the, for the third base Amigdash, well, Moshe will be around to tell us exactly what he did the first time around. So why are we learning this? So that we understand the Psukim better. Okay. And we'll leave it there for today. Have a very, very good Shabbat.